G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A major new Christian initiative has just been launched. It's called Ethi Centre. A new Christian non-profit organisation which aims to provide reliable information about matters of Christian ethics within a biblical framework. Now things are changing so fast. Our culture of rapidly developing science and technology needs the input of Christian ethical thinkers. And many are concerned that an apparent decline in religious affiliation in our community means that politicians are perhaps less likely to take heed of a Christian position when they're framing relevant legislation. This new organisation called Ethi Centre is designed to provide thoughtful, well-researched and theologically grounded resources to guide the Christian community as it navigates these tricky waters. The founder of this new initiative is Associate Professor Megan Best. Megan is researcher at the Institute of Ethics and Society at the University of Notre Dame, Australia and an Honorary Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Sydney. She's also got 30 years' experience in palliative care and medical ethics teaching, research and practice. Megan Best, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Megan, let us in on the launch. This is so fresh. This has just happened yesterday. Tell us about what happened with the launch of Ethi Centre. Thank you very much. It was a very exciting uh, occasion uh, after much work by many people. Um, it was um, lovely to be part of a group that uh, has created an, um, an organisation that's registered as a charity with the Australian government and uh, we um, uh, switched on our website which is ethicentre.com and uh, we had uh, about 50 or 60 people uh, in present online. We had some people online from across the country, across the world, who uh, tuned in to hear me explain um, the idea behind uh, the establishment of Ethi Centre. And also Professor David Starling from Morling College was there. And he discussed why, as someone who teaches pastors, uh, he's excited that something like this has developed as well. And we had a great discussion. I imagine that there's a void in this area. And perhaps there are some organisations that do deal with some deeper issues around ethics. But uh, in launching this new project, you must have felt that there was a void here, something not quite there, something where the influence is missing when it comes to legislators, people who are framing all sorts of policies and things. What were your feelings in getting something like this started? Well, um, I think there are lots of reasons why we need something distinctly Christian because the way we look at the world, the things we believe influence how we work out what's right and wrong. And so uh, as Christians, uh, we need to look at um, the 
the moral compass of the Bible to work out right from wrong. So uh, that's not always straightforward in our culture. So I think we do need specialist help and we need that to come from a Christian perspective. So although there are many ethics centers, uh, they are not all interested in the Christian perspective. And even though there are some Christian ethics centers overseas, because healthcare systems are different in different countries, I felt we needed something distinctly Australian. Let's try not to leave listeners behind today because sometimes when you're talking about ethics and bioethics and business ethics, all sorts of ethics, uh, there are some who feel like we can lose them in a conversation quickly. But let's just talk ethics for a few moments because we're talking about a biblical framework. And at the really shallow end, uh, you've got this thought that, uh, well, you've got a verse or two from the Bible. Surely that's the guidance that you need. Others take a deeper perspective. I wonder if you could just give us an insight here into how we might understand the value of developing a framework for Christian ethics uh, for people who are at the shallow end and for those who are at the deep end too. Well, I think an understanding of ethics is important on several levels. For individuals, um, we need to understand what the Bible teaches us about um, what are right and wrong approaches to things to do with medical issues uh, for our own decision making so we can live lives of integrity as Christians. Um, and um, for example, uh, when I um, was pregnant with our second child, I was recommended um, to have an abortion because I had a virus that might have caused a birth defect. And there were a lot of things that concerned my husband and I when we got that news, but at least we had previously thought about our approach to abortion and we knew we weren't going to have an abortion. So it was much easier to be in that situation having previously thought through those issues when we weren't emotionally vulnerable because of the events um, at that moment. I also think it's important that we have an opportunity to think about what's right and wrong um, in terms of our relationships. Um, perhaps someone might ask us for advice. But also um, a lot of bioethical topics are in the news and are often quite controversial. And so um, we, we get in a, a chance for an evangelistic conversation, perhaps, as we explain why we believe the things we do. And I can remember of a very sad story um, where I was walking alongside a couple who found out their baby would die at the time of birth. And as um, they found out this news, they decided not to have an abortion because they wanted to care for their child as long as they could. So they went, they were planning to go to term and uh, give the baby palliative care when it was born. But they had three other children at school and as the mother got bigger and um, went to the school, people were saying, oh, you must be excited about the baby coming. And she realised she was going to have to tell people what was going to happen. And she needed help to find the words to explain that to people, uh, what was going to happen. But I remember the funeral very strongly because the father was a carpenter and he built the coffin for the baby and carried it into the church. 
and the church was full of people from the school community. And they, it, the, the celebration of that funeral was just a wonderful testimony to the importance of every human life to our God. And it was such a wonderful way of communicating that to the whole school community. So we have opportunities as we explain our own decisions um, to help people understand more about what we believe. And finally, as you've already mentioned, um, we, we have the information from the creator of what is needed for human flourishing. The, the Bible is like the, the guidebook to what's best for, for human beings that was written by the creator. And I think um, when you remember Jesus' words in Matthew that we need to be salt and light, um, salt to preserve the good things in society and light to illum illuminate the truth, uh, we really have an obligation to let other people in our community know what things um, are best for human beings. And in a democracy, everyone has a right to express their views, and, uh, and that includes Christians. So I think we indeed have an obligation to engage in public debates because, because we do have information from the Creator. So when we're faced with challenges, if we want to learn how to flourish, and this might be personally, but it might be community, and it might be also as a nation, we can actually access the Creator's Handbook for how it best works. And that's, as the Christian, this is what we do, isn't it? We say, well, God has given to us some guidelines in Scripture or some ways that we can even access some understanding about how we behave and what we think are the best virtues by looking at Scripture. So uh, it's not just uh, with medical issues. And thank you so much uh, for sharing, Megan, your own story and the confronting way that a doctor might tell you or offer you an abortion. I want to ask you, because when people get interested in ethics, perhaps it's because they're confronted with their own personal decisions, their own personal uh, fork in the road, if I go one way or if I go another, which way is right? We get interested in these things when we're confronted with things just the way you were. Yes, and in fact, probably the biggest um, factor in in leading me along this path to, to work with others to build Ethicenta was because I've been approached personally by so many people over the years um, who have come across a dilemma in their own health care and they don't know where to turn. So people find my, my email address on the university website and um, ask for personal advice. Most of these people are complete strangers to me and they have qu questions like, um, what, what should I do with the embryos that are left over from my IVF treatment? Um, my father's dying. Is it ethically permissible to turn off the ventilator? Um, or, um, you know, my baby has a genetic defect on, on the tests and I've been told to have an abortion, what should I do? And I think these are people who really want to honour God in the way they live, but they honestly don't know uh, what the appropriate response is for a Christian. And so we need somewhere people can turn to get that sort of information, I think. That, that's what I felt. And Megan, you're an expert on these areas, certainly in bioethics, at 
the beginning of life and at the end of life. But it's not just what's going on with those individuals. It's what's going on in their family. It's what's going on in the broader community too. And we might anticipate that the Ethi Centre, this new body that's been formed, new not-for-profit, is going to have a big focus with these areas where you are primarily interested What about other dimensions of ethics too? Is it going to be the case that there'll be all sorts of people who perhaps are even at an academic level who will be able to participate too on areas like business ethics and legal ethics? And uh, people get interested in ethics on a lot of different levels. You've got a wonderful, uh, a tremendous area of expertise. Is it going to be something you'll be opening up to all sorts of different dimensions? Uh, We're very open to that. So um, we... We're aiming to meet the needs of individuals um, for their own health care decision-making, for their own projects, Uh, people working in health care who might have professional needs, um, parents um, to have information to know how to discuss things like what is a girl and what is a boy with their children. Um, So we're pitching things at three levels, introductory, general and academic. And... Uh, I'm starting with bioethics because that's what I know, but we're certainly open to um, to moving out into further areas. But what I'm hoping to do really um, at my stage of my career is to start building up the next generation. So what I'm hoping to do is that when people realise the passion God's given them for a particular area, that we'll be able to nurture them, we'll have mentorships available to help train people up um, academically. I can supervise people in academic work or we can um, give them a toolkit they need to get involved in advocacy. Uh, we, we want to help people achieve their goals in the area for which they have a passion. Megan, for people who are listening to our conversation right now, how can they be recipients of the sorts of things that Ethi Centre will deal with? Is there going to be a regular subscription? Uh, can people get involved in training and webinars and uh, all sorts of things into the future? Yes, thank you. Um, we have a website which is ethicenter.com. And if you go onto the website, we already have some information that's available. Uh, We have a free newsletter uh, which you can sign up for and that will come out once a month and um, that will have um, some some bioethical information, um, some updates about events and some prayer points. And if you want to become more involved, we have a paid subscription and that will give you further benefits, access to more opportunities to be involved And one thing we want to do is build up a community uh, of people interested in these things and we will be having gatherings four times a year to start where uh, online and in person where people can learn a bit more about bioethics and fellowship with other people with similar interests. And uh, we, we want... It's, it's in a, we're in a culture that is often quite hostile to Christian ethics and I think people need encouragement as, as well as knowledge and that's what we hope to achieve through the gatherings. And if there is a particular project, one of our first projects is to develop resources uh, for school children to teach them about um, beginning of life ethics and uh, if you would like to support this work, we offer opportunities for donation as well.
Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, a comment, even a critique for our conversation. You can call us 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Associate Professor Megan Best. She's the founder of a new organisation. It was launched just yesterday. It's called Centre. Initially, the focus will be on bioethics. And I wonder whether, Megan... If we use that word bioethics, sometimes people will be confused by that. I wonder if you can give us some simple explanation about what that is, because really it's about some of the hot topics that we're facing in our society today. Thank you, Neil. Yes, ethics is is basically the, the science of working out right from wrong, and bioethics uh, is related to the biological science. It's uh, another word for bioethics some people use is medical ethics. And some of the hot topics um, would be things like healthcare resource allocation, which uh, was uh, an issue uh, particularly during the COVID pandemic, um, assisted reproduction like IVF, surrogacy, leftover embryos, freezing eggs, um, care of the unborn, uh, abortion, contraceptives, uh, pregnancy screening tests. Um, end-of-life care, euthanasia, assisted suicide, um, withdrawing treatment at the end of life, uh, gender issues, transgender uh, and conversion therapy, we're hearing a lot about these days. Um, A a very uh, fast-moving area is that of genetics, Um, and we um, have government schemes being developed to to screen as many as possible pregnancies for genetic defects and uh, things like CRISPR, genetic engineering. Uh, There was a lot of discussion about vaccination and the ethics of vaccination through COVID and things like organ transplantation. How do we know when someone's dead Um, and it's okay to take their organs? Is it okay to take people's organs? Um, What about taking organs from people who are alive? You know, there there are lots of um, issues around things like that as well. So it's very broad-ranging and um, is going to be something that comes up for everyone at some stage of their life. And so many listeners will be familiar with the fact that we've tackled some of these sorts of issues and it takes us an hour just to scratch the surface getting into these. So it is really an in-depth science. I wonder whether you've got some insight here, Megan, as to how our biblical framework, our Christian understanding impacts this because there are obviously some other dimensions in our society that are pushing all sorts of different dimensions and wanting some of these things to go way away from where we think Christians ought to be thinking about these things? Um, yes, well, our worldview, the way we look at the world, influences um, our values. And so in a pluralistic society like ours where people come with many different beliefs We have many faiths. Uh, From the last census, we've heard that there are many people who are no longer religious. Uh, So we have many different ways of looking at ethical questions. Um, And so people come up to different solutions of what's right and wrong. So for any ethical decision, you're motivated to act. You form an intention. You have an action. And it has consequences. 
in the Bible, we're taught that each step is important because God looks at our hearts as well as our actions. But probably the most prominent way of deciding right from wrong in our society is by just looking at consequences. So the end justifies the means. Um, it's what you end up with um, that is the, you know, is the right choice. It's the one that gives you what you want. Uh, so um, that uh, sometimes includes um, a way of getting what you want that might not be permissible for a Christian because the Bible says there are some things we shouldn't do no matter what the consequences are, such as kill an innocent person. So but very much, yep. I was going Sorry, to say, so very much what we're dealing with today, because you say uh, the pluralist society that we're in, uh, sometimes what you're describing is called a situational ethics. In other words, uh, people are just making their own way according to the situation and not really being bound by something that might have a foundation like we have with a biblical framework. That sort of thing takes us off on tangents, doesn't it? And when it's out of control, as some will be describing things that are happening in our society now, when it's out of control, very, very hard to rein it back in. It can be. It's very, uh, particularly as we're starting to see laws put in place to enforce some of these views um, and restrict expression by some groups in, in the society, um, it, it does make it very hard to, to pull back. Uh, it's Yes, there's some very serious things happening in our society, I think. Laws are changing, and I guess you might say, according to different ideological stances. And uh, when the laws are changing, it's actually when it becomes law, it takes it out of a public debate, doesn't it? Because then somebody is actually uh, putting their stamp, uh, a heavy stamp, on what they say is true and right behaviour, or true belief and right behaviour, and that, that shuts down debate on these things, doesn't it? It, it, it certainly can, and we are seeing uh, various steps um, to, to muzzle Christians, I think, in some of their views in society. Now, I mentioned just before the break, throwing you in the deep end, and you're talking about differences between girls and boys, and this question that comes up so frequently, what is a woman? Uh, I don't know whether this is the best example to use, because you might have some other better ones to, to think about, but this is one of those areas in bioethics uh, which is going to be very powerful in helping shape people's attitudes to this. So when you approach some sort of issue like this, which is so, so much a hot topic, Megan, uh, how do you start with that? Well, I think we need to realise that um, we, we have some scientific facts that establish differences between males and females, when the baby's born, one of the first things that happens is you look at their genitals and say it's a boy or, or it's a girl. And uh, that's the way humans have always told the, seen, told the basic difference between girls and boys. And, and even though rarely you have a disorder of sexual development and there's some ambiguity uh, for intersex people, generally you can tell if you've got a girl and a boy. But... Um, I think part of what's happening is people are trying to uh, downgrade the importance of biology and the way we've been created. And they're starting to talk about sex being assigned at birth rather than 
discovered at birth. And even simple language like that um, can make you think, well, if it's assigned, that means there's a choice. Somebody chooses if it's a girl or a boy, where in fact, um, if you think about creation, we are created male and female. It's, it's, it's not something we choose. Nobody can choose whether someone's going to be a male or a female. And I think that by uh, trying to say that whether someone's a male or a female is a choice or a social construct rather than a fact is what's causing a lot of confusion in our society. Megan, let me ask you, when we're talking about the good and the bad and what's best for our society, this somehow rather has developed into an us-versus-them mentality. Uh, the people in the community uh, divided on so many issues. And it is, I guess, something we can speculate about, that everybody involved in these debates wants the best for a society, but then you get to a point where one side tries to demonise the other. Any thoughts here about how bioethics and the ethics we're talking about actually impact communities and how it can actually tear communities apart? Um, thank you, Neil. Um, it's, it's interesting that it's such... Uh, bioethics can be a very divisive topic, and I think there are several reasons for that. Um, it, it can be quite complicated. Uh, science and technology are developing very rapidly, and it can be hard to keep up to date. And you can't really rely on your high school science knowledge anymore to understand some of the issues. So I, often um, debates aren't very well informed and people may not fully understand the details. Um, and it can be confusing for Christians discussing these topics sometimes because the goods that c the community is looking for, like freedom from suffering or a healthy child of one's own are the same goods that we want for ourselves. It's, it's not wrong to want those things. Um, it's the way people want to reach, um, achieve those ends that is the problem uh, for Christians. But, but it can be confusing if you're not well taught. Um, and uh, because um, sometimes it is a fine detail that makes it wrong for a, something wrong for a Christian. And also in our current political climate, if you express an alternative view to the mainstream, it can be interpreted as hate speech uh, in the woke culture. And, and so a lot of discussion is just shut down um, and we don't get the opportunity to explore these ideas. These are big issues we're talking about. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Megan, let's take a call from Norman in Innisfail in North Queensland. Hello, Norman. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. How's things? Very well, Norman. What are your thoughts? Um, I had a couple of thoughts that sort of um, made me kind of interested in the concept of the spirit of truth. You, some things don't appear to be what they are on surface. On the surface, until you dig a bit deeper, you get the get the picture, the true picture. Like, for instance, I remember watching a picture of a, a video of a monkey with cigarette with a mask on, with a cigarettes, perpetual cigarette, and that was being done to this poor creature for the sake of science 
to see what happens to lungs when they get cigarettes, um, which is pretty obvious, you know, defence of the of the underdog, you know, the, the minority or the unprotected animals. And I saw another one of a bloke named Mengler, a German bloke named Mengler who used a steel wire brush. He scrubbed it on a young Jewish kid's leg until he got gangrene just so they could work out how um, gangrene works with soldiers and what they've got, how they can respond. So how they justify things and cruelty. Norman, isn't it interesting that, you know, we can talk about experimentation on animals and then uh, then there are those who feel like experimentation on humans is okay as well. Uh, let's. Yeah. Uh, did you have a particular point you were making here, Norman? I just think that we've got... You've got to have the spirit of truth with you to discern what what is and isn't acceptable in conduct. You know, for science, you know. Norman, you're making a good point here about a spirit of truth. Uh, Let me ask uh, our special guest, Dr. Megan Best. Uh, Megan, your thoughts for Norman? I think he's raised a very important topic um, that uh, we do need to discern. truth and and we also need to be very clear that the the reason we want these things is to protect vulnerable people in our society and that's why there are such uh clear rules on on uh ethics of research to make sure uh, people aren't disadvantaged or or um or hurt uh through participation in research and it's because of those terrible things that have happened in the past for example, the Nazi doctors in World War II, some of the experimentation there, that we've developed um, those uh, guidelines for human research to protect vulnerable people. Norman, does that answer your, yeah. your concern? Yeah, yes, yep. the ethical standards, ethical standards. At the moment, we've got Putin using one of Goebbels' ideas of accuse your enemy of what you're planning yourself and to um, offside uh, popular opinion. Do you know what I mean? You've got to know what's going on and do do the research and think and expand your mind to include um, God's perspective. Good stuff, Norman. Uh, and even venturing into what we might think of as a social or political ethics there and how that works even on the international stage. But Norman in Innisfail... Thank you so much for your insight today on 2020. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. When we talk uh, through uh, the sorts of people who might be a part of uh, this new organisation, Ethi Centre, and that's what we're, uh, in some sense, celebrating the launch that happened yesterday. And here it is, a brand new baby in one sense, and you want it to develop really well from this point on, Megan. I wonder if you've got some insights into who your board members are, who's making up the initial uh, body of people who'll be making contribution to Ethi Centre. Give us some insight here so that we can understand where it's going. Well, we um, are a non-denominational Christian group and I'm joined on the board uh, by uh, Reverend Dr Michael Jensen, who is uh, an Anglican minister, uh, Professor David Starling, who teaches at Morling Baptist uh, College, and um, and Kate Groom uh, is the final member of our board, 
and they've all been enormously helpful in developing the governance structure to make sure that um, everything's above board. And we have, uh, we're building up a, a team of uh, people on our reference panel who are respected in their fields um, to help us to keep uh, a high level of accuracy in the facts that we provide. I think in today's media, so, so much um, of the stories we hear are influenced by ideology uh, that sometimes not the full story of the facts are presented. So we want to be very accurate. And we've, we've got um, Andrew Sloan from Morling College. Uh, we've got John McLean, um, who's a Presbyterian uh, minister uh, at Christ College. Uh, we've got um, some overseas ethics experts, for example, Professor Michael Sleesman from um, Trinity International University in the States and Professor John White uh, from London in the UK. Um, we've got Patrick Parkinson, who um, has experience in areas of um, sexual abuse of, of children and um, some of the issues on gender that we've uh, been discussing. Um, Patricia Warakoon, who's a sexologist, who's going to help us with gender and and some of the sexuality issues. So a, a broad range of people. We've got Professor Kim Oates, who's a paediatrician, who's going to help us with some of the children's issues. Um, so yes, a wide, a wide range of people helping us with different topics. And for listeners, uh, they might be inspired and impressed uh, recognising some of the names you've just mentioned, who we might say uh, could be a who's who in some of these different areas around bioethics and ethics on a general level and even the governance issues that you've got in place. Uh, you've done so well, Megan, in bringing a team like that together. Well, I, I think um, it's, uh, it's, it's not just me. I think I've I'm working in a team that's been uh, very effective and I think that there's a wide recognition that we do need something like this. And while there are some more academic um, groups working on bioethics, the, the passion that we have is that ordinary people who aren't trained in ethics also need to know about these things and that's really um, a big part of our target audience. Let's take another call. James is on the line from Kyabram in Victoria. Hi, James. Welcome. Hi, Neil. How are you? Very well. I've forgotten. And Megan. Megan is our guest. What are your thoughts, James? So, so impressed with what you're talking about. I, I just, I guess, the thing for me on the journey of love is that I've discovered that God has, you know, He said to me, uh, even in my trespasses in sin, He He still loved me. And, and he's still loving me today because, you know, as much as I'm trying to do everything right, sometimes I still muck up. And, and, but the thing is, we're dealing with people. It's difficult, like in the whole thing of ethics. It's not dealing with people as a, uh, as a label, you know, like we can, like even doctors label somebody with something, but it's, it's a guide to which way they're going to go. Like they could say you've got cancer, but people can survive cancer or they can survive these different things. But I thought it's so, you know, even, even in trespasses and sin, he loved me. And he loves everybody. He wants everyone to be saved. And it's difficult because we say, well, they're not, they're not really agreeing with my ethos, ethnos or my worldview, but they're, but they're still loved by God. And I've got to treat them like I saw this lady, Aliki, did a thing on opals, how when, they, when they're polishing the opal, 
they, they only focus on the opal. They don't focus on all the dust and the rubbish that's coming away from because the, the potential of that, that opal it can only be a millimetre thick at times. And so they, they're just like God. He's looking at us and he's looking at the potential. He's not focusing on what he's polishing away, but he's just loving that individual, loving that, that, uh, that potential and trying to develop it and bring it out of, out of that miry clay. And, and I just think the whole, you know, if, Ethics is so important for humankind, isn't it? The others, you know, we need James, to think for James, great illustration you're raising there. Uh, interesting, isn't it, that when we have a gemstone, there are impurities that will be in the face of it, and the person who's working with that gem will work to do away with those impurities and just have that beautiful, gleaming gem as the final product. Uh, it is a very good thought there. Um, Megan, a few other things that James was saying there too. Do you have a thought for him? Look, I, I thought that was a terrific illustration and he's raised a very important point that um, while we're thinking about what is right and wrong for Christians, we make mistakes and we, we need forgiveness and that's something that the, that Christianity does offer and God wants us to be more like Jesus and... and um, we need to be a community where we help each other in these areas. And there are people who are, have been hurt by judgmental attitudes from the church in the past. And the church needs to be a safe space, the safest place in the community where people can come and um, be encouraged and, um, to, to live the way God wants us to, to flourish the way God wants us to. And it's uh, if we can be that community where we um, can try and, and find uh, the beauty of the gem in each of us and uh, ignore the dust and just encourage each other to shine like stars, wouldn't that be wonderful? And as James says, he and we are all a work in progress, aren't we? And when we're talking ethics, it's about what we believe the virtuousness of the things that we understand about life, and that then moves to how we behave. So we have to work with the ethics. We have to work with the virtues, the good things that we understand or the difference between good and bad. This is where good behaviour starts, isn't it, Megan? Yes. Uh, um, it's it's about actions. It's about what actions we take and the... the um, we have many choices as we go through life and uh, some of them aren't very important, such as what we have for lunch, unless you're a vegetarian, I guess. But um, we, um, we, we have to make lots of decisions and, and we need to, to seek wisdom. And as I said, we've got a moral compass in the Bible. We need to know what's in it. James? It Thank you so much for your call, James. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Not too long left in our conversation, but let's take another call. Alex is in Melbourne. Hello, Alex. Welcome along. Oh, hello, uh, Neil and uh, Megan. Yes, I've got two questions. Uh, regarding the vaccines, um, when my mum was in aged care, the only vaccine available was the AstraZeneca, but somehow I heard on conversation on the radio that an embryo was used or something for the development of that vaccine and that can really worried me I thought but because I otherwise I wouldn't be able to visit my mum and so uh, 
But then I heard that it was something from a monkey or something, and I thought, well, I still don't know what it was, but two passages in the Bible come to me, and that was um, in Mark, even if you take poison, uh, uh, God's, God's love will cover us. Or the other one was uh, with the uh, leper um, uh, during Elisha's uh, time. Uh, it, and he uh, he said, when I go back to my country, I'll, I'll be, uh, I have to sort of get on my knees before the, the king there. And of course, that's pagan sort of worship. But anyway... And I'm sure that God. Uh, well, anyway, I, I think I believe that God covered him. Anyway, yeah. it seems to be uh, what you're trying to say here, Alex, around issues to do with vaccines and things like that. Um, that uh, that you can have all sorts of different ways of thinking about it. Uh, as you understand it a little deeper, you begin things begin to crystallise and become a little more clear. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Well, I ended up taking the AstraZeneca just to be with mum and help mum because, you know, it was awful time. Yeah, and, so, uh, right, but so, and whether it was right or wrong, uh, and uh, some listeners might even remember some conversations we had about this uh, over the last couple of years, uh, uh, Megan, but uh, any thoughts here for Alex around the reason why you have to think deeply about these types of issues? I think he he raises an important point. Is sometimes there you know there are ethical implications for each of your choices. Uh, while there are some ethical challenges with how some of the vaccines were developed, there are also ethical challenges um, that in in terms of our relationships as a community, uh, if people choose not to get vaccinated. And I know there's a wide range of views about this in the community, but uh, I think certainly uh, he's correct that on the one hand, we have to think about the ethics of how medicines are developed. But on the other hand, we have to think of our responsibility in the community um, to get vaccinated so we can uh, spend time with each other and uh, protect vulnerable people in our community, such as people in nursing homes. Um, so it's complicated. It is complicated. And, and that's why I think we need help to think through some of these issues. And, of course, uh, the more current debate is around whether governments have exerted their power in an ethical way as we've gone through all of the lockdown issues and issues to do with vaccines. Alex, thank you so much for your call. We will put a line under any calls there, uh, running out of time. One last thing, though, to pick up on here. And, uh, you know, uh, my support will be in here along the way to the extent that we're able to be support for what's happening with this new organisation, FE Centre, because connecting the ethicists with the legislators and the involvement there of how you get the word out about uh, what you're even talking about, because you can be in a little bit of a bubble when you're talking about some of these sorts of issues, uh, getting the thoughts of the ethicists to the legislators who are framing the policies that will eventually become law. This is the challenging thing, isn't it, Megan? It is. Uh, we live in a democracy, uh, so everyone has a right to express their views. Uh, in the uh, recent euthanasia debate, some people said, well, the church has no right to engage in the public debate. 
But I, I don't agree with that. I think that uh, our voice is as valid as anyone else's in a democracy. And, uh, but we do need to accept that when there are issues that we don't agree on, um, there's a vote and the person with the most votes wins. Uh, all we can do is express our views and, and pray that um, our legislators have wisdom but uh, we certainly can't force our views on anyone else. As I will often say, uh, in this very secularised environment that we're in, while we might feel as though we're pushed off to the sidelines and a little out of the game sometimes, pressure is growing on the sidelines. And into the game we will be. And Megan Best, I think your Effie Centre is a fabulous idea, a fabulous new initiative. And uh, my encouragement is for listeners to connect with Effie Centre today. Uh, whether you just become a subscriber, there might be some way you can contribute financially. I'm not sure about how the finances works. We won't even talk about that today. But you might like to check out what's on the website of Effie Centre, effiecentre.com, E-T-H-I-C-E-N-T-R-E dot com. You'll be able to access their free newsletter each month. And from the sound of it and from the who's who who are going to be involved in it, you won't want to miss what they're going to be letting you know and letting you in on surround all of these major issues of bioethical importance that are happening in our society today. EffieCentre.com. Dr. Megan Best, Associate Professor Megan Brest, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us and your new initiative today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.